Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome indeed to The Inner Life here on this Tuesday of the first week in Ordinary Time. I'm Josh Raymond, and glad to have you here along with us on The Inner Life. Now, when you think of freedom, what comes to mind? Freedom. Do you think about the U.S., the country we live in, and the freedoms that maybe we have guaranteed in the Constitution, especially in the Bill of Rights? Do you think about the men and women who have served in the military to protect our freedoms? Do you think maybe of a story associated with freedom, a book, a movie, telling a dramatic story of fighting or trying to preserve your freedom? One of those movies I remember, uh, Braveheart. First time I saw it, hearing Mel Gibson as William Wallace saying those words, they can take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Or do you think of freedom as being something more personal? Freedoms that you have in your life. When you go to Mass, you don't have to worry that you'll be thrown in prison because Christianity is outlawed by the state. We have the freedom of religion here in our country. You have the freedom to say or to write what you like without fear of being censored by the government. Now, you could very easily upset other people by what you say or write. There might be consequences, but you still have that freedom. What about freedom from debt? Have you experienced that? When you're young, when you're starting out, it's so easy to rack up that debt. The school loans, having to pay for keeping your car running when you really don't have the money for it, just so you can go to a job that maybe doesn't pay as well as what you're hoping. Those things that are a priority that you have to pay, the rent or the mortgage, the utilities. And many of us have been in that situation where you find yourself, as they say, robbing Peter to pay Paul. But if you're able to dig yourself out of debt... It's a huge, huge relief. It's a weight off of your shoulders, that feeling of freedom from no longer owing anything to your creditors. Now, one of the other areas that you might experience freedom, a very obvious area, is when you or someone you know has been struggling with an addiction. We have thousands of people that listen every day during this hour of the inner life, and it's likely that every single person, every one of you, has been impacted by someone that you know and love who's dealt with some sort of addiction. Or maybe it's you yourself. Maybe you're the one who has that addiction. I have two close family members that are alcoholics. They've both worked very diligently to remain sober for over a decade now, each one of them. I have another family member who ended up finding himself addicted to pain pills, a young man addicted to pain pills. He finally had to admit to himself and to his parents that he was indeed addicted, and then he sought that help. I have a friend from college who told stories about how he and his sister had experienced Christmas with no presents under the tree because their father, he'd gambled away all of their money. 
And then this friend, he talked about how he watched that gambling addiction and it took its toll on his parents' marriage, finally ending with them separating and eventually divorcing. When you or someone you love is wrestling with that addiction, you lose that freedom and that control that you have over your life. That addiction takes over so much of who you are, what you do. You'll sacrifice things that should be important to you because you have to have that next drink. You have to have that next whatever. One of my family members, when he was drinking, he got to a point where his wife and his children had left him. He had to be faced with the prospect of being alone and losing everything that mattered to him before he finally made that decision that he needed to stop drinking, that his family was the most important thing for him in his life, more important than the alcohol. Today, we want to spend this hour talking about those addictions that we do face in our lives, whether it's you or if it's a loved one that you have in your family, someone dealing with that addiction. And of course, we want to especially look at how our faith can play a pivotal role. In fact, the most important role in helping overcome that addiction. And joining us as our spiritual director for the hour, I'm very glad to welcome back Father Douglas McKay. Father McKay is a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. He's the founder and spiritual director of Our House Ministries in the Grays Ferry section of Philadelphia. He also serves as the chaplain of the Calix Society, which proclaims the Catholic faith to alcoholics, to drug addicts, uh, addicts and family members and friends who are impacted by that addiction. And Father McKay, I'm so glad to have you back here. It's been a while. I know we had reached out to you at one point and uh, you'd been uh, really under the weather dealing with COVID, but I'm so glad to hear that you're back, you're healthy, and, and to have you here on the show with us. Uh, thanks, Josh. Yeah, you know, I really came close. I really had a, you know, close to that moment of death, and I really called my COVID a gift from God, you know, really uh, helps me to realize just the gift of life really is. But I, I also just want to, before we begin, just to thank all the listeners out there that have prayed for me. I was really, uh, you know, out of work off the ministry for like six weeks, and um, I got so many prayers in those six weeks, probably more prayers in those six weeks than I had in my whole lifetime, and they worked. They worked, and I'm a better priest today than ever before because of my experience with COVID and being so close to, to death and having that mm. new life rising with the Lord. He's, you know, I just feel like the Lord's saying, uh, Father Douglas, I, I still need you here, the work, the work that you're doing here in the mission uh, helping those who are in recovery and, and those who should be in recovery. But thank you, everyone, for all the prayers that you have uh, prayed for me during my sickness. Mm, well, uh, again, I'm so glad that you're healthy, and God bless you that, uh, you know, my neighbors, um, husband and wife, uh, older couple, and they ended up having COVID uh, this past summer, and they got out of the hospital, Father, and they said, you know, all the things that seemed kind of important before we were faced with, you know, our own mort mortality, it's almost like our marriage was just given a second chance here. So, I mean, it sounds that's, like that's kind of what's happened with you, with, uh, you know, just recognizing, boy, God has more work for me to do, and I feel closer to him than ever. And that's, you know, this couple, they were saying, oh, I feel so close to God. I feel like our my marriage has just taken this new turn, and we're just almost like back in high school falling in love. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Josh, maybe I can just share one of the experiences I had during my sickness. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, it was the Feast of the Guardian Angels. I actually shared this with Nick. It was the Feast of the uh, Guardian Angels, October 2nd, this past year. And um, I had just <clears throat> come back from the hospital. I got the infusion, the antibodies. 
and they kind of watch you for an hour after you get the uh, antibodies. They say, how do you feel? I said, well, you know, I, I feel chilly, and they let me go. And on the ride home, I started to get cramps. I couldn't breathe so well. I probably should have gone back to the hospital. But I have a little private chapel here. I said, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die right in front of, right in front of my tabernacle with Jesus. So, you know, I get back here, and I'm regurgitating, and I'm burning up. And um, maybe uh, the next day would be the Feast of the Garden Angels. I'm still feverish. And I'm si- it's at night, and I'm sitting on the end of my bed, and I see this dark form on the other end. And I hear a voice say, be good to him. And I believe this voice was our Blessed Mother. And the next scene is like a scene out of the, uh, out of, out of the movie Scrooge. I'm at my gravesite. It's so vivid, so graphic. And I'm, I'm above, and I'm looking down, six feet down, and I see my casket. And I look next to me, and it's that shadowy form, the devil himself. And he says to me, why do you love God so much? And why do you serve him? Look what he's doing to the world. Look what he's do- done to you, your family, your brother who died from an overdose. And, uh, you know, and I know better, you don't converse with Satan. And I just listen, and I was just thinking that, you know, you're the reason for all the evil in the world, not God. And, and the next thing he says is, uh, one shovel full of dirt, and it falls down on my casket. And he looks at me again, and it's like out of the book of Job. And he says, curse God and die. And time passes, and once he, I, he looks at me, and I look at him. And he says, you know you're going to die? I said, well, yeah, I know I'm going to die. And when I do, I'll be rid of you. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to miss your angelic presence. You, Lucifer, you. God made you so beautiful, and you turned on God. And here was the bottom line, Chuck, that I want to leave with the listeners. I mean, Josh. As I, I looked down at the uh, casket, I wasn't in my casket. I was above it. There is no death, and there is a devil. And behind me was this peace. You know, blessed mother, God himself had my back. And I had so much joy. It was, like, remarkable. I actually thought I was going to see the face of God. And, you know, from that experience, it was like, took away a lot of my fears of death. You know, I was, I was experienced, you know, this Pentecostal joy that the apostles had, or the martyrs when they went to their death. And it was, it was that uh, remarkable. And it was like, uh, wow. why be afraid of anything? We're glory-bound. We're God's children. And God got our back. And he's with us always until the end of the world. But thanks, Josh, for letting me share that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, you know, it sounds like some of those other near-death experiences where people, it really changes the direction and the course of their life. So thanks for sharing, Father. Uh, As, you know, we said, we want to talk about addictions and how our faith can play that role in addictions. First of all, maybe before we dive into the topic too deeply here, uh, you're the chaplain of the Calix Society there in your area. If somebody's not familiar with what the Calix Society is, can you uh, give us a little background, what it offers for someone who's dealing with alcohol or drug addiction? Mm -hmm. Well, Calix is not a Catholic AA. You know, it was really founded for Catholics who are in recovery. AA and all the 12-step, you know, programs, AA is really for your sobriety. You have to get sober first. And then Calix is for your sanctity. It's like the uh, the 11th step, you know, sought through prayer and meditation, not medication, to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So the Calix Society was really founded on that 11th step to really improve their conscious contact with God. You know, you go from meditation, really, to contemplation, deep prayer. Uh, William Jerome Montreux, the founder, and, and, and four others, founded the uh, Calix Society. 
And they were tired of living a sinful life. They wanted to become saints. And so they got together and, and they worked on their sanctity. And they were all, all AA guys, but they were really developing the 11th step. Now, calyx means chalice in the Latin. And it's, the slogan is, we substitute the cup that sanctifies for the cup that stupefies. And if you take the letters C-A-L-I-X for calyx, and the, the X would be a symbol of Christ, you have Catholic addicts living in Christ. So it's really about bringing people to, you know, our higher power, you know, to real sanctity, to the sacraments. This is what the founders were, were all about. And, you know, uh, uh, Josh just started way back in 1947, and it was, it's all over the world, you know, and uh, two, two popes, two saints, Paul VI and, and, and John Paul II, praises, you know, with, with letters. And the society actually went to, on their 25th anniversary, to, to Rome to meet uh, Paul VI, who praised the society. And he also brought a petition with them to have Matt Talbot advance the cause. And um, they wanted actually, actually wanted Matt Talbot to be edified, but Paul VI couldn't do that until Matt Talbot was venerable, the first step there. And anyway, through that uh, influence, like within a year later, uh, Paul VI uh, made Matt Talbot, Matt Talbot venerable. And the only picture we have of Matt Talbot was from the group of Catholic Society when they went to Ireland and they came across a photo of Matt Talbot. So Matt Talbot uh, is a recovering uh, alcoholic. You know, he was alcoholic for like 16 years and becomes a mystic. And how does he do it? You know, you know they didn't have uh, 12-step programs at that time, or AA was founded in 35. Matt Talbot died in 1925. But Matt Talbot's whole... Um, how he got well and, and, and spiritual was uh, going to Mass, and praying the Rosary, and holy hours. And this is what Calix is all about. It's retreats, it's about holy hours, our Rosary, our devotions, um, Mass. And, and we have meetings here, you, you know, every week, and we have a Matt Talbot Shrine. And it works, it works. And it's, it's just not about getting sober, but sanctified to become saints, because we're all called to be saints. And here's a man, Matt Talbot, a drunkard, you know, who has his moment of truth and, and becomes a mystic in an inner city. And he says, if I can do it, you can do it by the grace of God. And we're all called to be saints. And it seems like those in recovery, uh, they're the most humble ones. They know they need God. They know they can't do it by themselves. You know, that's what they learn in, in the rooms, that they need help to beat their alcoholism, drug addiction, gambling, sexual addiction, and whatever other 12 steps that people may be on. We can't do it ourselves. We need grace, we need God, and we need, we need one another. And people sometimes with uh, you know, alcoholism, drug addiction, you, you say, well, I'll do it with willpower. Well, you know, try to stop your diarrhea by willpower and see if you can do that. We need support and we need help, and we got it. You know, it's in our church. You know, there's Jesus Christ right there in all the tabernacles of the world who tells us, I'm the vine and you're the branch, and apart me you can do nothing. And that means absolutely nothing. And in him I can conquer all things, even, even the grave. And when I'm weak, I'm strong, because his power rests upon me. But uh, it's in Jesus Christ who's always with us, you know. I'm with you to the end of the world. And, and we, it's all about a grace. Uh, Cardinal Regali, some years ago, uh, gave a, a workshop on the 12 steps, and, and we went there, the Calyx Society. But afterwards, we had Mass, and he said something that, that, that really, you know, resonated in all our hearts. We must go to God. 
We must go to God. It's the only answer. It's the only solution. In the big book, you know, Dr. Suckworth speaks about the uh, spiritual component, and it's really the second step that he really hits on. Came to believe in that power. Greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, but not only sanity, but also to sanctity. And he, he would say that, you know, without that spiritual component, most alcoholics are doomed, doomed. But in God, it's restoration, new life, eternal life. It's just receiving what we already have from our baptism, Josh. But, uh, yeah, pretty much Calix, you know, you, you hear a lot about AA, uh, yeah, even on Catholic radio. And I wish we could hear about Calix, you know, because that's our, the best-kept secret in our Catholic Church, the Calix Society, that not only helps you to stay in recovery, but brings you to sanctity, leads you to sainthood. Thanks, Josh. Mm. Well, yeah, thanks for giving us the background and sharing about that, as well as uh, Venerable Matt Talbot. Um, He's somebody that we've spoken about before, but I always appreciate you bringing him up on the program. And maybe before we dive into some of the things that, um, how our faith can impact that healing from addictions. Let's talk about addictions in general. And I'm going to throw out the phone number for anybody who's listening that would like to call in if maybe you've faced that addiction in your life. And how did your your faith, your relationship with Christ, how did that help you in overcoming that addiction? Or maybe you have a family member that has experienced that healing from an addiction. And how did you see God work in their lives to experience that freedom, to, to, to be able to move past that addiction that had control over them. Or maybe you're the one struggling with that addiction right now and you'd like some help, some encouragement. You can call in and talk with Father Douglas McKay, 888 You can also email us at innerlife at relevantradio.com. But uh, addictions in general, uh, Father, when we are talking about addictions, I think it's natural for most of us to think drugs or alcohol. But, you know, I, I told the story of my friend, his father, who had the gambling addiction. There are people who struggle with addictions from shopping to even on their smartphones, people who struggle with sexual or pornography as an addiction, people who have addictions to food. So there's all these different areas. How do we recognize in our life where something is more than just maybe a mere enjoyable uh, pastime or, you know, something that's a, a little indulgence here or there. What are some of the signs that this area, that what we're doing, that we are entering into a pattern or some behaviors that are associated with addiction? Well, I, I think, first of all, if we define addiction, um, I was looking at Webster this morning. It said to devote or surrender oneself to something habitually or obsessively addicted to alcohol, drugs, money, gambling, whatever. Um, but then I was asking a couple of the guys in recovery, uh, how would you define addiction? And one guy said that addiction is the opposite connection to God. Another guy said addiction is a lost soul. And my, my own definition is that addiction is a powerful force to be reckoned with, a force that takes us away from God. So the signs would be, um, you know, they say uh, when you go out and you have a good time and you, you, you know, there's a, it's so elusive. You know, you have a, an alcohol drink and you get this good feeling, this buzz, and that's wonderful. But it's so elusive. And then you drink more and more and you think you're going to get uh, a better feeling and you get a worse feeling. And especially the next morning, there's no, uh, there's no uh, laughter or pleasure the morning after. So if you look at the consequences of our addictions and where it's leading to, they're the signs 
They take us away from God. They take us away from our family members. They take our peace or joy. You know, pleasures. You know, we're seeking pleasures out there. And, and pleasures don't make us happy, Josh. You know, pleasures made us happy that the people in Hollywood would be the happiest people in the world. They sure, have more pleasures sure. you can shake a stick at. You know, more pleasures than anybody. And they spend their time, you know, going to their friends' funerals. Or they commit suicide. And pleasures, it's not where it's at. Now, I'm not saying, you know, we don't need pleasure. St. Bernard said man can't live without pleasures. But pleasures are not our God. And God wants us happy and wants us to enjoy his pleasures. But our senses and pleasures should lead us to God and not not away from God. So, um, you know, real real joy, happiness is an inside job. I like the word joy, J-O-Y. Yeah. Uh, J stands for Jesus, Y stands for you, and, and the... Oh, it stands for nothing between you and Jesus, and that's joy. Or Jesus, only you. And where do we find joy? Our Blessed Mother, you know. My, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. St. Paul, you know, rejoice always in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice in the Lord. So there it is, that joy, happiness, peace. They're all eternal gifts. They're not outside us. They're inside us where God dwells and he shares with us all these wonderful virtues. And when we go to addictions and, and get enslaved and in bondage, we lose all these gifts. You know, that becomes our God. We seek things rather than people, rather than loved ones, rather than God himself. Our spiritual director is Father Doug McKay. Today we're talking about addictions and how we can face those and especially how our faith, how God himself can help us to uh, heal us, to lead us to freedom over those addictions. And you can call in and join us. Maybe you've made it through an addiction, you've experienced that freedom, or you have a family member that you've seen that's gone through that process. How did God work in their lives so that they were able to experience that freedom? Or maybe you are in the midst of an addiction right now and you're not sure what to do. You can call and talk with Father Doug at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Stay with us. We'll be back with more right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forrester. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond. So glad to have you here along with us for this hour as today we're talking about those addictions that we face in our lives or maybe it's a loved one, a family member, a spouse, a child, maybe a parent or a sibling, somebody that you know that has that addiction that they've been struggling with. Maybe they've made it through it. How have you seen God work in their life so that they've been able to experience that freedom? Maybe you've had that happen in your life. How did your faith and your relationship with Christ help you in overcoming that addiction? Or maybe you're going through that addiction right now and you'd like to speak with Father Doug McKay and get some help, some advice, some encouragement. You can call in at 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. And uh, Father, before the break, you made the mention of, you know, we can't do it on our own. You know, the idea of if, if we're battling an addiction. We can't do it on our own. I had mentioned at the beginning of the hour, a family member 
reaching a point where he was in danger of losing his wife and his children because his drinking had just taken such a hold in his life. And that first step in the in the 12-step program, admitting that you're powerless, that your life has become unmanageable, I, I've known some people who have recognized the warning signs from their addiction early enough that they were able to make changes, they sought help, but most of the people I know, the vast majority of people I know that have faced some sort of addiction in their life, they have to get close to or they have to hit rock bottom before they'll admit that something needs to change, that they, and they get to a point where they want to ask for help. So one thing, if I'm somebody who I see someone in my family, somebody that I care about, but maybe they're early on in that path down the road battling addiction, is there anything that I can do that might be able to help them realize where they might be headed before they start having those serious problems in their relationships and their work and, you know, other areas of their life? Is there anything I can do to get through to them before they get, they, they reach that rock bottom point? Well, yeah, well, the obvious answer is you pray for them and, and wait for that opportunity. Sometimes uh, when, they're, when they're having a problem, you, you talk to them, they really they go into self-denial and can even turn on you. Sure. Um, a lot of resistance, and, yeah. Yes, exactly. And I don't have the problem. You have the problem because it's very selfish. You're self-centered, and uh, you have to do it really gracefully. But uh, you mentioned, you know, where your relative uh, realized that they could lose everything. That's called uh, um, a high bottom, you know, um, that you, you, you come to that moment of truth, say, wow, you know, this is getting worse, I, I, you know. I can wind up an alcoholic, drug addict. I could lose my job, my family. I'm starting to argue with my wife. You know, I don't want to lose any of this. So you have that moment of truth, and and, and then you recover. You get up and you put away the alcohol, the drugs. But then the low bottom is, is what you were saying. You know, you lose everything. You hit that rock bottom before you get that moment of truth. And it seems like most people have to hit that, that low bottom, you know, that, that rock yeah. bottom to get that moment of truth. But, uh, yeah, um, what, what we can do, you know, like the Calix Society, Josh, is, is just not for people um, who have the problem, but people who, the loved ones, you know, mothers and fathers and uh, anyone that really cares a, a, a about, you know, our, our mission work, that they can join us in prayer and, and, and encourage us. So uh, I would refer people to the Calix Society as well. And if I can just re mention too, you, you, you know, where do you go? We, you know, we're in, we're in different countries in Canada or Austria, Australia, England, Ireland, Scotland, United States. We have over 30 units and online meetings every day. You know, you can go online. You can get the information from calixsociety.org, and they will give you all the online meetings. And you can just get online and find out what we're all about, and um, and, and get more into our, our Catholic faith. Uh, also, our house ministries, we have, you know, all different programs. We Calix Society, we have the Matt Talbot Shrine, Matt Talbot Devotions. We have the Matt Talbot uh, Secular Fran uh, Franciscans, where that's what he was. And you can find out a lot about us as well, our house ministries, in the plural, dot org, our house ministries, dot org. But, yeah, uh, and... Uh, mm -hmm. Well, I, I was just going to ask you too, Father, you know, as you're talking about Our House Ministries, your role that you play there, as well as, you know, the Calix Society, how did you find God calling you into this role where you 
started working with people struggling with addictions. Yeah. Thanks, Josh, for for asking that. You know, it's really a charism. I know most priests can't do this work and feel comfortable at it. But some people would ask me, when did it all begin? And I have to say, when I was eight years old, uh, we had, you know, here I, I live in the inner city, Grace Ferry in, in South Philadelphia, and we had what you would call the winos. And, and at eight years old, you know, my mother looked out the window and saw <clears throat> one of the one of the men who was alcoholic, uh, Bucky, and she made a platter up for me and gave me the silverware and two of our L&M cigarettes, a cup of coffee, and I went over to Bucky, and I had to wait for the utensils, and Bucky seemed to enjoy my company. But there was something that attracted attracted me to Bucky, and I didn't know later on as I went back, and I started to get even more involved helping um, alcoholics to get into uh, rehabs, you know, into AA programs. And um, as a seminarian, I started giving out medals, you know, rosary beads. And then as a priest, I, I could walk the streets, go into the bars, hand out literature, uh, bless them, even hear their confessions, and even anoint them. But uh, it started way back there, and it just continued. It's, it's a charism, a gift from God, and he gave me that. And I know it, and I know it. My heart always went out to those who suffer. But when I look back at Bucky, it wasn't something that attracted me. Josh, it was someone that I would see the suffering Jesus in Bucky. Mm-hmm. And as we got started here in our, our house ministries, we opened our first house. You know, we would have a meeting, spiritual meeting, and then and then we would have, uh, uh, you, you know, on our deck out back here, we would have our be cigarettes and coffee and donuts, eat donuts like it was the Fat Tuesday before Lent. And one guy would have the guitar and we would be singing and everything. It was beautiful. And uh, But something was missing in our first house, and it wasn't something, it was someone. We had a chapel, and it, we had an empty tabernacle. And I remember asking the archdiocese on two occasions if we could have the Blessed Sacrament, you know, in, in our tabernacle. And, and twice they said no, because we've got the church across the street. And I said, well, the church is always locked up. We can't get in there. So it was the year of the Eucharist, uh, and uh, I went in to talk to someone said, go in and talk to... Cardinal Regali, tell him the stories, the tragic stories. And I went in, and finally I sat down with the Cardinal for about 30 minutes. I said, you know, your eminence, I, I, I see bodies of young kids. I anoint them unconditionally with their parents crying over them. And then I see uh, children crying over their parents, bodies hanging from rafters that I still see in my mind. Your eminence, I don't understand this. I'm a priest, and the priesthood go together with the Eucharist, like the hearts of Jesus and Mary. Why can't we have the Blessed Sacrament in our house ministries? And he listened, and he said, well, let me look into this. A week later, he came down and talked to Father Lee, the pastor, made sure I wasn't a loose cannon. And Father <laughs> Lee said, that Father McKay, you know, he's a real blessing in the parish. And a week after that, the letter comes. And it comes yeah, from the, uh, you, you know, the, uh, the religious again, vicar for religious. I said, oh, boy, you know, I'm doubtful here. I was with the Little Sisters of the Poor at the time. I went up and I rubbed the envelope on the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and I opened it up. Josh, it was like ragging in a royal straight flush. You have permission to have the Blessed Sacrament in your chapel in 1441 South 29th Street. Well, gosh, it was like hitting the Powerball, you know. It was the miracle on 29th Street. And the blessing started to come after that with Jesus. And the people started to come. But you always have enemies. If you want to follow Jesus, Josh, look good wearing wood. 
there's always going to be persecution. And I remember this one lady came up, and she, I guess she felt threatened seeing all the recovering people come around. She said, Father, why do you work with these people anyway, referring to the drug addicts? I said, well, I see Jesus in them. And she said, Father, do you ever hear of mortal sin? You know, these people, they lie, they cheat, they steal, they adulterate, they fornicate, they even get away with murder. That mortal sin, Father. You ever hear of that? How can Jesus be living in them? I said, well, wait a minute. You did exactly what our Lord asked us not to do. Don't condemn, you won't be condemned. And don't judge, and you won't be judged. You just did that. And I said, to commit a mortal sin, there's three factors. One is serious matter, and they got that, and I condemn that, and I judge the serious matter, but not them. And then sufficient reflection and full consent of the will. They don't have sufficient reflection. They don't have full consent of the will. They're in bondage. They're in slavery. Therefore, they're not in mortal sin. And there's five factors that mitigate mortal sin, and they are ignorance, fear, force, habit, and passion. And they got all five. Therefore, Jesus is in them crying out, help me, help me. Chuck, they're not, I mean, Josh, they're not bad people. There, there are brothers and sisters who suffer so much, right. and the Lord's crying right. out to help them. You know, he's there. In, and he lo- you know, he, we're, yeah, he loves We're all them. sinners. Yeah. We're all in the same boat, and we're all seasick. Yeah. Yeah, Father uh, Douglas McKay is our spiritual director today. Again, you can call in at 888-914-9149. As we're talking about those addictions that we encounter in our lives, maybe it's you yourself, you're dealing with an addiction, maybe it's a family member that's going through that, uh, maybe you're struggling with that addiction right now and you'd like some help, some encouragement, maybe you've made it through, you've experienced that freedom. Uh, because of your faith, because of your relationship with Christ, because of the sacraments. And we'd love to hear how God has worked in your life. 888-914-9149. We have a lot of people who have called in also asking about the Calix Society. And uh, how do you find that? How do you spell that? Calix, very simple, C-A-L-I-X. And if you just enter that into a browser, a search browser, uh, you can find that just Calix Society, C-A-L-I-X. And, Father, let's go to the phones. We've got Monica, who is calling in from Chula Vista, California. Monica, thanks for calling in. You're on the air. Hi, good morning. Um, I just wanted to, um, you know, I've I've listened to the radio station, and I actually started listening to it again because I kind of um, stopped a little bit um, because of everything that was going on in my home and everything. Um, But I just wanted to share, um, I have a big testimony with my husband um, he was addicted to drugs, cocaine, and alcohol. And um, two years of of bad. Um, I didn't know that he was addicted, like, from a long time ago, but it got really bad to where we did separate. He would come back and forth. He cheated on me. It was just really, really bad. Um, and I would actually listen to the Patrick Madrid show um, every day, and I would ask for prayers and, you know, I I didn't see my way out, like, because I loved him. I, I wanted him to be okay, and I would always ask him, like, hey, here's some people that you can talk to. Hey, here's this. Hey, here's that. But nothing, nothing would budge. He he was just, like Father said, he was just on his own. He His mindset was he would ignore me. He would treat me really bad. Um, he... It was just really bad, and I couldn't get a hold of him until he actually, um, yeah, he went down big time. He lost his job. 
Um, then he came back home and um, uh, once again, he was doing the same thing. He was going back and forth with that other woman. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was just, I, I couldn't take it anymore. Um, and last year, um, I remember him asking for help, but I was tired. I was just really bad. My anxiety was just really, really my kids. I asked God for help because he was asking for help. He was, you know, um, he wanted to come home, but I didn't let him. And I asked God, Lord, if you want me to help him, then just show me something. Show me because I'm tired of him coming back and forth to my house, hurting me and my children. I have two kids and my son was just so mad at him. My daughter was so hurt. And, um, and God talked to me. He told me, what would I do for him? Do you think I would, you know, the words that came to my mind were, what would Jesus do in this? Would he, he still loves them. He still is going to be there for him. He's going to grab his hand and pick him up. So I said, okay, okay, just please don't, don't let him hurt me anymore. Just give me the strength. And I praise God that he is home. He's been seven months clean, and he's actually doing it like him, himself. He got the help he needed. Um, and because of COVID, like, everything was closed, but they check up on him every every other week. They, they would check up on him, and he would do his – I would see him. He would do his um, his group meetings. And then he started going back to the men of St. Joseph at church. And I'm seeing so much change. And sometimes I'm the one that's kind of like, oh, like, I just get, you know, back to, oh, my God, like, he did this, he did that, you know. But I start I start praying, I start praying, and I ask God to help me because I think I'm the one that still has a lot of healing to do from everything, which we both do. But he has changed dramatically. Like, and I just, if somebody is like going through this with their husband or just keep praying for them and to Mama Mary, just give it, give them their life. Like to Mama Mary, she's the one that helped me to be stronger and to be, to be just there for him and my kids and, even my son would tell me, Mom, like, let's help Dad. Like, we can't leave him out in the street. We can't do that. Mm-hmm. And as much as Monica, that, I, I, I want to jump in here because we're getting really close to where we're going to have to take a break. But I want to let Father McKay respond really quickly with his thoughts before we have to take that time out here. Father, uh, I, I mean, what a powerful story that Monica's telling here of her husband mm-hmm. and the road to recovery that he's been on, obviously it's, it's something that, you know, he, he's making that progress, but there's been so much turmoil and heartache there. Well, Monica, one thing we have to realize, and a lot of people don't accept this, it's a sickness. Your husband was sick and you know, the loved ones get sicker than they are. And very often the loved ones who are addicted, they go away for therapy and programs, but the the loved ones don't. So, like, we have to protect ourselves, too, from, from our loved ones when they're sick with, with addiction. 
I mean, with any other sickness, you know, you put your mask on, you know, equipment on and things like that. You have to protect yourself. And and, and you weren't the one to help them. You know, you're too close uh, to it. And I'm sure a lot of the uh, uh, wives and husbands out there are going through the same difficulty that um, I'm trying to help my spouse. You, you know, I have the sacrament of matrimony, for better, for worse. But the best way to help them is to pray for the stranger, that someone else comes in and helps them, because very often that you're just too too close to the situation. But, uh, yeah, my, Monica, you know, you're not alone in all this. You know, it's just so many people hurt. And the fallout there, that you know, you've been hurt. And uh, I think what can help you through the hurt and to forgive him and let go of the resentments would be that um, he wouldn't have done all that if he wasn't um, involved with the drugs or the alcohol. That they tell you, they'll share that their stories in the room, that all the bad stuff they did, they would never have done that because they weren't free. It was like some, I don't know, being possessed, obsessed, obsessed with Satan himself to do evil acts. But, um, yeah. You, you need to recovery just as much as he does. And I think you say he's only seven months, so he's still early in recovery. They say it takes up to two years for your brain to, to really heal sufficiently from the drugs. But it heals 95%, and that's really remarkable. But they say 90% will fall within 90 days who go away for the first time. And the reason is the guilt comes in. You know, the brain starts to thaw out, and you think about, oh, what I did to my wife, to, to my kids, and you feel guilty, and you say to yourself, uh, you know, I, I can't stand this guilt and shame, and you want to go right back and numb yourself, you know, and, and forget this. But that's where, uh, in Calix society, we get them over the hump. This is where we need to turn to the Lord. We're not our sins. We're not our character defects. We're not our shortcomings. We're all et- eternal children of God who comes to us to restore us and redeem us and forgive us and, and to give us that those second chances and new beginnings, you know, the the Lamb of God, you know, we we put all the sins on the Lamb of God, and we're free, freedom, freedom to live a new life once again. And you need that too, Monica, just as well. And just one other point, a lot of people don't know this, St. Monica had had a a problem with alcoholism, and she's one of our go-tos. And her son, Augustine, mentions her in, in the confessions, and he says, my mother had a disease, you know, 1,600 years ago, he's calling alcoholism a disease, and there was really no cure for it except the medicine of God. This is where the cure is. It's in our church. It's in the sacraments. It's in the confessional. It's in the holy hours, the rosaries. It's in going to him in holy communion. That's where you'll find your healing, Monica. So go to the Lord. He, he wants you, and he loves you. And uh, I'll certainly be praying for you, Monica, because I, I know the pain and the suffering that you've been enduring. And also your husband, his pain and suffering, that um, we need one another just to help one another along the way to forgive and to love as we're forgiven and as we're loved by our Lord himself. Monica, thanks for calling in and sharing your story. I'm sure so many people have been encouraged by hearing what you've gone through, and uh, you will remain in our prayers as well. Uh, If you're listening and you'd like to call in, maybe you're struggling with an addiction, maybe you're spouse is the one. Maybe it's a family member, a son, a sibling, a parent, somebody who's dealing with that addiction, and you'd like some encouragement, some advice on uh, what you can do, how you can face that addiction, you can call in 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, and speak with Father Douglas McKay here on The Inner Life, and we'll be right back with more of your phone calls and more with Father McKay right after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. 
For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Inner Life today here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond and our spiritual director for the hour, Father Douglas McKay, talking today about addiction. Maybe that's something you've faced in your life, you've been able to make it through. How have you experienced that healing because of your faith, because of placing your trust in Christ? Maybe you've seen that in a family member. Maybe you're struggling with that addiction right now. And you'd like some advice, you can call in and talk with Father McKay at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, let's go back to the phones. Kent is listening to us in Oregon City, Oregon. And Kent, you're on the air with Father McKay. Hi, Father McKay. Hi, Kent. Um, my, I am a recovering um, addict. I went to SA for several years. And uh, recently we found out that our son is an alcoholic. He's uh, 54 years old. Uh, He is is in the throes of it right now. Um, I don't believe he's admitted to himself that he is an alcoholic. He's lost his wife and his son won't speak to him. Uh, The house is going to be put up for sale next month. Uh, it's a mess, and uh, my wife and I are both um, kind of in the middle of it. We, we're trying to help him, but I call him every morning to check on him. Um, he he uh, has a device hooked up to his car that he has to breathe into every time he starts it, and we found out this morning that... Uh, Apparently, he had fallen uh, on Thanksgiving Day, and he just uh, this morning had to go to court in front of a judge about an hour ago. Hey, hey, Kent, just because we are short on time here, I want to jump in. Uh, Are you asking basically what are some things you can do that might be able to help your son as he's facing his alcoholism? Yeah, I did write down the uh, Our House Ministries that you mentioned, and uh, you know he's going to S, he's going to AA, and he's going to uh, um, um, meetings for his stuff. But I just, you know, I just want to, I want to help him. <laughs> we both, my wife and I, both want to help him. But yeah, so the oh. Calix. Society might be a big thing too, but yeah, yeah. And he's going to the meetings, and you know that's where they tell their stories, Kent. You know, they're God stories, and you hear so many beautiful stories. Uh, as he looks back and, and gets his sobriety, he'll see that that um, God was present there uh, in the car. That God was present there when the police officer arrested him. God was there when the judge sentenced him, and, and the Lord's always there. And it's getting that spiritual component once again, you know, from, from AA. AA, um, you know, leads us to our higher power. Uh, you know, AA was always meant if you were Jewish, you went to the synagogue, Christian, you went to your church. 
if you were Muslim, you went to your mosque. It was never meant that you go to a, you know, your room or Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. It was always going to, uh, to God himself. So I would just keep praying for Kent and um, see what happens with the judge, you know, see what the, what the sentence is there, you, you know, we'll see what happens. But very often God's hand is in all of it. So just trust the Lord, Kent. Kent, thanks so much for calling in. And again, you'll have so many people that are listening that'll be praying for you and your son. And, you know, Father, we're down to just our last couple of minutes here, but, uh, you know, so much of what you're saying here is it's tied to we have to just give our lives over to Christ. We have to Mm. enter into that surrender. Yeah, he's the way, the truth, and the life. Josh, uh, you, you know, I just have a poem that I'd like to share And it really is, you know, the touch of the hand of Jesus. The sacraments are personal encounters with Jesus. You go to confession, the priest is a screen. You receive him communion. There's a communion affair, their love affair. He comes to us in communion, we go to him. And he comes to us through the priest, baptism. They're all personal encounters, you know, uh, for grace, for grace to help us through. But it's always the touch of Jesus in these sacraments and encountering him for the graces and to receive the strength that's not our own. But I'd just like to end with the poem about the all-battered violin. That's how we addicts often feel, like an all-battered violin. And this this violin is at an auction, and the auctioneer is trying to get it to, um, you know, to make a sale. He and he can't get it higher than two dollars. So he says, uh, "Okay, two dollars." Do I hear three? Going once, going twice. An elderly man comes up with white hair, and he takes the violin and hanky, he takes the hanky out of his pocket. He cleans the violin off. He fixes the strings. He tightens them up, and he takes the bow and he plays a, a melody so sweet it sounds like. Uh, singing angels. And he puts down the violin and he sits down. $1,000, Do I hear $3,000? $3,000 sold for $3,000. What changed its worth? The touch of the master's hand. Here's the poem. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We do not quite understand what changed its worth. Swift came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice, he's going, he's almost gone. But the master comes, and the foolish crowd can never quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. Father thanks, McKay, God. thanks so much for sharing that. Before we close out the hour, got about 15 seconds. Could you offer a blessing for all of our listeners? Yes. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless us all. Keep us close to your most sacred heart through the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Chaste Heart of St. Joseph. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Amen. Father, please, yes. more of you in 22. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much, Father. Good to speak with you, and we'll talk with you again sometime soon. Of course, if you missed any earlier part of the program, find the podcast at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio website uh, or the Relevant Radio app. And tomorrow, we're going to be talking about the rosary. I hope you can join us here on The Inner Life. Stay tuned. Mass is next.